All right. If you all would open your Bibles to the book of Exodus. All right, tonight we're going to be talking about the Mosaic Covenant, also known as the uh, Old Covenant. <clears throat> this is a follow-on to what we began last Sunday night to discuss the covenants in the book of Genesis. <clears throat> this is something I've really wanted to, wanted to do for a little while now, is to uh, walk us through the covenants in the Bible to educate us a little bit uh, on that, to see how God worked through those and is even working today through the New Covenant. So we'll, we'll be uh, looking at a few of those, the main ones in the Bible, uh, that will help us to maybe have a greater understanding of Scripture and of how God has worked. There are handouts in the back for tonight's message. If anybody needs to get one of those, please do so. Now, because I um, have selected passages that we're looking at, mainly from the book of Exodus, but we're also uh, probably going to look at some other ones as well, depending on how our time works out here. I'm not going to read a scripture aloud to start off, but I would like to go to the Lord in prayer and ask his blessings over the uh, preaching of his word. So if you would, bow with me in prayer. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who's not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob the generation of those who seek Him, who seek Your face. Father, tonight we come in the name of Jesus, who, Lord, we know is the King of glory, because none of us are worthy to come before You. None of us are worthy to come to Your holy mount. And, Lord, none of us have clean hands, and none of us have pure hearts. And surely, Lord, we have all lifted up our souls to idols. We have all sworn deceitfully so lord that puts us in a bad place if it were not for your son i thank you father for jesus christ who had clean hands and a pure heart who lifted not his soul up to an idol nor swore deceitfully so it's because of the substitution of jesus on our behalf that we come to you tonight and i ask you lord For the sake of Christ and his name that you would help me to deliver your word to your people. Uh, Lord, that uh, your word would be used among us and would run swiftly among us and be glorified. Thank you for everybody here tonight. They could all choose to be somewhere else, but they're here. And uh, Lord, I pray you would bless them and bless all those who are joining us online as well. And Father, for all of the flock, all the people of God here at NLBC, we do pray, God, your blessings upon them even this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're here in Exodus, and I want to give you some slides here. There's nothing on your handout for this. This is simply from last week to remind you about a covenant. It comes from the Hebrew word berit. 
It's the covenant means alliance, pledge. It's between, it means between men. It's an agreement or a treaty. Genesis 14 is translated allied. Now, uh, it is similar to a marriage covenant today where one party would say, I do, and the other party says, I do. And we saw last week as well that there are conditional and unconditional covenants. They are unilateral and bilateral. Uh, tonight, as we get into this, we're going I'll start off by asking this question. Uh, do you remember the covenants? Do you remember the covenants so far? What we've seen so far in Genesis chapters 1 through 3 is the Adamic covenant. Um, we talked about that last week. And then in Genesis 6 through 9, does anybody remember what the second covenant was that we saw from Genesis 6 through 9? The Noahic covenant, that's right. What sign went with the Noahic covenant? Sign of the rainbow, that's right. And then what would be the next major um, covenant that came up and that we studied last week in Genesis? The Abrahamic covenant. What was the sign of the Abrahamic covenant? Does anybody remember? Yeah, circumcision was the sign of the uh, Abrahamic covenant. Now, I don't, was there a sign for the Adamic covenant? I don't know of one. All right, so uh, next thing I would, um, a statement that I would make is this, that God remembers his covenants. He promised Noah that he would see the rainbow and remember that the covenant, the covenant that he had made, that he would not flood the earth again. Did everybody get those that first hand, the first slides done? I don't want to move too quick. So God remembers his covenants. If you'll turn there in Exodus chapter 2, verse 24, you all uh, probably know what's going on in the book of Exodus. The children of Israel had gone to Egypt and they have been there for 400 years. Just like um, it was foretold that, that that would happen. Does anybody remember uh, who God told that his descendants would go down to Egypt and dwell there for 400 years and then they would be delivered? Does anybody remember who God said, hey, this is, this is going to happen? Yeah, Abraham. Does anybody remember what chapter in the book of Genesis that happened in? Was it chapter 15? I think it was chapter 15, maybe around verse 14, something like that. But Genesis chapter 15 um, is where God told Abraham about that. Now, so the children of Israel have been there. Joseph died and Pharaoh, a Pharaoh arose that knew not Joseph. And uh, the people are under, they are, they are, are slaves there in Egypt. And in verse 24 of Exodus chapter 2, let's see here. Let's start at verse 23. Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage. And they cried out and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. All right, so God in heaven heard their cry. And then in verse 24, you see that it says, So God heard their groaning, and God remembered His covenant. Now, the question is, what covenant did He remember? Did He remember the Adamic covenant? Did He remember the Noahic covenant? We'll see here that He remembered specifically the Abrahamic covenant. In verse 24, 
He, God remembered His covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. Alright, so He remembered His covenant. What, what happens here from the Abrahamic covenant? I want to point out to you some things that are going to show up in other covenants. Because this Abrahamic covenant that was made and uh, began to be made in Genesis chapter 12, then 13, 15, 17, and then chapter 22, we see, we see it continue to be repeated and kind of added to. But then it is reiterated to and made to Isaac and to Jacob. The same promises would come, that the promises would come through them. Now, uh, how does this affect the other covenants? This way, the Abrahamic covenant is foundational for the other covenants because of a land. The people are promised land in the Abrahamic covenant. And we see this show up in what I'm going to call the Deuteronomic covenant when we get to it. And also the new covenant. Now, a lot of people don't call it the Deuteronomic Covenant, and they ought to, all right? So, uh, so land. But we also see that the promise of kings comes up in the Davidic Covenant that we're going to be looking at, in the Davidic Covenant. This is promised to happen through Abraham and God's words to him in Genesis. But we also see blessing, blessing, uh, <clears throat> blessing upon his people upon the people of God, and blessings upon those who bless the people of God. And we see this happening in the Mosaic Covenant that we're looking at tonight, and also in the New Covenant, the New Covenant. And then the last one that I would present to you is the promise of descendants. Now, the promise of descendants has been fulfilled when we come here to the book of Exodus. Because the people have grown into a great army. It has been estimated that, and I think I'm right about this, that the number of people that came out of Egypt would have been some 2 million people who came out of Egypt that Moses led out of there. So as we come here to the book of Exodus, you're looking at not a people who is 70 that went down into Egypt with Jacob and his family, Uh, but those who are coming out are a multitude, some two million. How how do we guess that there's two million? Well, if you count up the fighting men in the book of Numbers, you have some 600,000 fighting men that are counted. So if you take that as being the the men, and then you add to it the women and then the children, it's a reasonable uh, estimation that it would be some two million as far as the population of the people of Israel that have um, grown up there in the, in the book of Exodus that have become a, a, a nation and an army there in, in Egypt. There in Egypt. Okay? So when we look at this Mosaic Covenant, the Mosaic Covenant is also called the Old Covenant. The Mosaic Covenant is also called the Old Covenant. Now let me give you a couple of other points underneath that. First of all, it's this. The Old Testament is out of the Old Covenant. As a matter of fact, the word Testament and Covenant may be actually synonyms. But when we think about Old Covenant or Old Testament and New Testament, it it is an expansion of the covenants that God makes. 
It is an expansion of the Old Covenant. Now, what you see is in the Old Testament, the things that are established tonight and then again in the Deuteronomic Covenant, they have an effect throughout the Old Testament. From this point on, they are having an impact in the life of the people of Israel. And we'll talk more about that specifically when we get to the Deuteronomic Covenant. But we also see that the New Testament is out of the New Covenant. God made a covenant, a new covenant that's promised in the Old Testament. Jeremiah, what, 31 and Ezekiel, maybe 37. And that that God is going to establish a new covenant. And Jesus, when he uh, met with his disciples and he established the Lord's Supper, he said about that cup that this cup is is the blood of the new covenant, is my blood that is shed for you. So Jesus, when he established that Lord's Supper communion for the church, he was saying that that cup that they are drinking of is the is his blood, the blood of the new covenant. It is what had to happen in order for that covenant to be established. All right. So now let's uh, let's talk here tonight about the, the old covenant, the Mosaic covenant, how the Mosaic covenant came to be. How the Mosaic Covenant came to be. We're limited on our time, so we can't really spend a lot of time in these chapters between chapter 2 and chapter 19 where we need to turn to now. In that time, the children of Israel have been brought out of Egypt. Chapter 12 of Exodus is a key chapter. That's one of those you need to have bookmarked in your brain. Let's call that brain marked, okay? You need to have that brain marked. uh, That Exodus chapter 12 is foundational because there the Passover is um, uh, occurs. The people are delivered out of uh, Egypt. God um, establishes uh, his name and his fame really there that goes out. Uh, They're out in in the wilderness. They come to Mount Sinai, and that's where we come to chapter 19. Now, we're going to work our way through this. And the first thing that we're going to see, if you want to write this down, fill in that blank, is we're going to see a promise. All right? First of all, we're going to see a promise. If you would all look at that with me in your copy of God's Word, I'll read if you'd follow along. Everybody got it this evening? Got to say, yep. Sorry, I've been with the youth this weekend. I can't stop. All right, verse 1. In the third month, after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai. For they had departed from Rephidim, 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 and had come to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness. So... Israel camped there before the mountain. And verse 3, And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore... If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. That's the promise in verses 1 through 6. 
You see what he promises them specifically in verses 5 and 6. Great promise. That's an important passage to know. Verses 5 and 6 of Exodus chapter 19. The next thing you see is a proposal. A proposal. Are y'all guessing what goes in those blanks? All right. So a proposal. Verse 7. And here it is, the proposal. So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded. So he makes to them a proposal. He, God, Moses told them everything that God commanded. Now, look at verse 8. Here we see an acceptance. An acceptance. Moses comes to them. Lays it out before them, and here's what they say. or Here's how they respond. The Bible says, Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. You'll see how this is happening. Moses goes up. God tells him. He goes down, tells the people. The people say, we'll do it. Moses goes up and tells the Lord. They said, we'll do it. All right, so that's how it's working. The next thing that we're going to see in verses 9 through 25 is an arrangement. An arrangement. Now, I'm going to read, read through this. If, please follow along in your copy of God's Word. I, it's important that we catch the flow of all of this. I'm going to start here at verse 9. Please follow along. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in, a thick, in the thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes. And let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. You shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, Take heed to yourselves, that you do not go up to the mountain or touch its base. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Verse 13. Not a hand shall touch them, shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow, whether man or beast. He shall not live. When the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, Be ready for the third day. Do not come near your wives. Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain. And the sound of the trumpet was very loud. So all the people who were in the camp trembled. Now, does that trumpet phrase there remind you all of anything? Do what? Jesus, when Jesus returned? There'll be the sound. Uh, what was it? Um, shout. Uh, what, what else? The voice of a... Archangel, and then what was the third thing? Or maybe I'm getting them out of order. And the trumpet. All right. So that's going to be sounding. And we're going to meet him in the what? Clouds. Meet them in the clouds. We'll meet the Lord in the air. 
All right, so continuing on there, verse 17. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now, Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace. And the whole mountain quaked greatly. Does that bring anything to anybody's mind from last week's study in Genesis? Y'all remember, how did God appear when he walked through the sacrifices? A torch, but also a smoking what? Smoking oven. So there's this smoke billowing out, apparently, of this oven, and there's a flaming torch. Here, we see Mount Sinai being like this smoke smoke of a furnace. It's like it's on fire and the smoke is just billowing up from Mount Sinai. And we see there at the end of verse 18, the whole mountain quaked greatly. Remember that because as you're reading through the New Testament and later in the Old Testament, it comes in handy. Verse 19, And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him by voice. Then in verse 20, then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain. And the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, go down and warn the people lest they break through to gaze at the Lord and many of them perish. Also, let the priest who come near the Lord, consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. But Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to the mountain, for you warned us, saying, Set bounds around the mountain and consecrate it. Then the Lord said to him, Away, get down, and then come up, you and Aaron with you. And do not let the priest... And the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and spoke to them. All right, that's what I've termed here the arrangement that God has set up for this event. Now, the next point, I had to go to another slide. Y'all just go to the next blank, is a presence, a presence. Now, we see this in verses 1 through 17. Now, notice how verse 25, what verse 25 of chapter 19 says. Where is Moses in verse 25? He's with the people. This is important to know. All right, so Moses is with the people. And then in chapter 20, verse 1. It says, and God spoke all these words saying. And then he goes through the what we have is the Ten Commandments. We'll see it. Verse, verse 2. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. And any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them, 
For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children through the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do your, all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. And rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. Let me ask you this. Who heard all of that? Everybody did. Moses and all the people heard God speak the Ten Commandments from Mount Sinai. Alright? So that's the presence Now let's look at the mediator. The mediator. Because what we're about to see in these next verses is how the people responded when they heard God say the Ten Commandments from Mount Sinai. Verse 18. Now, all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear. But let not God speak with us lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear. For God has come to test you. And that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. All right? So now we have the mediator. The mediator of the covenant. And that's why Moses is called that. He is the one who goes between God and man, and he brings God's word to man. In this case, it was Israel. That's why we have Jesus, or we have the fulfillment of the role of mediator in Jesus. For the Bible says that there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men. It's the man, Christ Jesus. Christ has gone between us, humanity, and God, and He mediates and brings us together. He brings us His Word. He brings us the gospel of salvation. So that's the mediator. But now let's jump over to chapter 24 and see the marriage 
or a marriage. There are some various laws that are given to uh, Moses that he gives to the people. And it is probably really an elaboration upon the Ten Commandments because you can break the Ten Commandments, the two tablets, down into love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. The passage that comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself, Leviticus 19 verse 18. It comes from those two passages. It's not in the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20. But we see both of those, the relationship with God, that vertical relationship and the horizontal relationship with man, both given in the Ten Commandments. So there's perhaps an elaboration on that. We come to chapter 24. This is where the marriage takes place. All right, let's see the marriage ceremony right here. Now, uh, in verse 1, he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. And so he has all of this representation come up. And Moses alone uh, shall come near the Lord, but he shall not come near, but they shall not come near, nor shall the people go up with him. So Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments, and all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord has said, we will what? That's their I do right there. God says, I'll do this. And now the people say, we do. We'll do it. All right, verse 4. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord. And he rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. Then he sent young men of the children of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half the blood and put it in basins, and half the blood he sprinkled on the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read in the hearing of the people, and they said, All that the Lord has said we will do and be obedient. And Moses took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, This is the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you according to all these words. That sounds real similar to what Jesus said in the upper room, doesn't it? See, this is the blood that established the covenant here in the Old Testament. Jesus' blood, this is the blood of bulls and goats. The blood of Jesus would be the blood of the God-man that was shed Uh, For the establishment of the new covenant to make it real, to make it powerful. Now, uh, we're going to have to hurry, but you could see how the rest of this chapter goes in verses 9 through 18. Where this is one of those places in the Bible where there is a, they see God or they see the throne of God. Um. It's in verse 9, Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and 70 of the elders. And you see in verse 10, and they saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet 
as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone, and it was like the very cities, I'm sorry, the very heavens in its clarity. But on the nobles of the children of Israel, he did not lay his hand. So they saw God and they ate and drank. Now, in verse 17, we see that it says there, as I skip ahead, that the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. So Moses went into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. All right. So um, that's the marriage right there. I think that's all of those. Now, here's what we want to do. We want to jump over and talk about the Mosaic Covenant in the, la- in the little bit of time that we have left um, and just some general points about this Mosaic Covenant. First of all is this. It's named after its mediator, Moses. <laughs> that, that's pretty smart there, isn't it? It's named after its mediator, Moses. It's the Mosaic Covenant. And I've just put the passage from Exodus 20 that we looked at a moment ago, verses, what, 18 through 21 or something like that, as the passage that establishes him as the mediator. But um, here's a question I have for you. I'm going to give you the answer, but I'm, before I, I give you the answer, I want to ask you the question. Do you know what the sign of the Old Covenant is? No, it's not the law. No, it's not circumcision. That's the sign of the Abrahamic covenant. Did you look it up? All right, good. It's the Sabbath. I'm sorry, it's a conditional covenant. And then the sign of it is it's it's the Sabbath. My notes are a little bit different than what y'all had there. I didn't change that around in my notes. But it's a conditional covenant. We see that in Leviticus 26, blessings and cursings. Um, sort of blessings and cursings there. Not quite as clear as Deuteronomy 28, but definitely the same thing. And then the sign of it is the Sabbath. Let's take a look at this together. Exodus chapter 31. Exodus 31. And we'll start at verse 12. Exodus 31, verse 12. And then we're going to jump over to Ezekiel chapter 20. So Exodus 31 verse 12. And if y'all have got it, would you say amen? amen? And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak also to the children of Israel saying, Surely my Sabbaths you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. You shall keep the Sabbath. Therefore... For it is uh, holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does, not, does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. Verse 15. Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Therefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. 
For in it, six, in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And when he had made an end of speaking with him on Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. Now let's go to Ezekiel 20. Turn it over there a little ways to the major prophets, Ezekiel 20. Y'all getting hot or is everybody okay? All right, Exodus chapter 20. I don't know if the temperature was getting warm in here or not. Exodus 20. Uh, we probably don't need to read all of this. Let's see if I can find the... Exodus 20, verse 11... Let's see here. Let's start there and see how it goes. Maybe I won't read all the way through it. Um, <clears throat> all right, so verse 11, Ezekiel chapter 20. Everybody got it? All right. And I gave them statutes and showed them my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. All right. So he gives them the law. He gives them the statutes. And then verse 12, Moreover, I also gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between them and me, that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. Uh, let's try to cut this short. Go to verse 20. He says, Hallow my Sabbaths, and they will be a sign between me and you, that you may know that I am the Lord your God. All right, so I'll stop there with that. But it's pointing out those two places here in Ezekiel chapter 20, where again, it tells us that the Sabbaths are a sign or what conclude is the sign of the old covenant between God and Israel. All right, so that's their sign, the best that I can understand it. Now, the next point we'll see here about the old covenant is that it cannot justify. It was never meant to justify a man or woman before God. In, you can turn there if you want, but in Acts chapter 13, verses 38 through 39, here's what Paul said in one of his sermons that's found in the book of Acts. He concludes it by saying this, Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. You see, if there was a law that could have been given that would have given life, God would have given it, but there wasn't. So this law, this old covenant that was given to Israel was never meant to be something that would justify them before a holy God. Moses can bring you up to the promised land, but he cannot take you into the promised land. And that's what we see next is that he can bring us or that the law can bring you to the Savior. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 24, the... Uh, apostle writing there terms this as uh, the law being like a tutor, a schoolmaster who brings us to Christ. Verse 24, Galatians 3. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ 
that we might be justified by what? By faith. That's how we're justified by before God. It is not through keeping the law. It is not through a law righteousness, but it is a righteousness by faith in Christ. What the law does is it helps us to see our need for a Savior. How do we know that we've coveted? Because the Bible says you shall not covet. Paul would say something similar to that in Romans 7. So the law exposes our sin and our need for God to save us from our sin. For we say about ourselves like Isaiah, woe is me for I am undone. And then we go to our next point where we see in Romans 7. That although the law cannot justify, and although the and, and though the law does bring us to the Savior, the, the law in addition to that is holy and just and good. Romans seven verse twelve. Therefore, the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. Now, is that y'all's last blank on y'all's handout? Let's see what we have here. Okay, 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 yep. Sorry, mine's a little different there. Last one is this, it's growing obsolete. In Hebrews chapter 8, verse 13, the writer of Hebrews says, in, in that he says a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. Now, what is becoming obsolete is growing old. And growing old is ready to vanish away. That's the thing, guys. It's, that's, that's why we don't, we're, not, we're not trying to find, follow some old covenant that was given to the children of Israel. Uh, it's growing obsolete. Its purpose was ultimately to bring us to Christ. And now that we are Christ's followers... That covenant is growing obsolete um, for for us as the church. All right, so uh, let's see here. Um, now let, let's just bring up this one more point as we conclude. By faith, we are children of Abraham, not Moses. You ever thought about that? Why Moses was a pretty special dude. He was uh, the meekest man on the face of the earth. He met with God face to face. Um, So why, why aren't we children of Moses instead of children of Abraham? The reason is, is because Abraham was justified by faith in God. He believed God. And it was accounted to him as righteousness. Galatians 3, at the end of it, uh, tells us. I can find it here. Galatians 3, verse 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. 
For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You see, the promise of salvation and of all of these things came through the seed of Abraham. Not the seed of Moses. And we today, when we come to faith in Christ, we are children of Abraham. Because we too are made righteous through faith in that promised seed that would come from Abraham. Okay, I know that there's a whole lot more to talk about with the Old Covenant. We've just scratched the surface. But maybe that gives us a little bit of an understanding of that covenant. And as we continue to work now next to the Deuteronomic Covenant, we will, we'll, we'll see some of these things play back in there, tie back into that. And then we're going to see how that covenant was important and even brought back up by the prophets as they were preaching to the people, um, exhorting them, admonishing them to repent and to turn back to God. So the Deuteronomic Covenant is going to be very important as we move forward. All right. If y'all have any questions afterwards, come up and I'd be glad to try to answer those uh, for you as best I can. And if it's something that we need to all hear together, I'll try to bring that answer back and the question when we meet back together, I think next Sunday night and cover our next to covenant. So let's go ahead and pray together. Uh, Lord, I thank you for your word and how, Father, your word, all of it, even the old covenant is pointing us to Jesus and our need to be for, to be saved. And, and, and Jesus preached from Moses and the prophets and the Psalms things concerning himself. And we certainly see why. Because it is pointing to him. You search the scriptures for in them you think you have life. But it is they that speak of me. He told the Jews. And Lord we look to your word. We want to see Jesus. And I pray you would help us more and more to do that. We thank you for the new covenant that was established by his blood by the sacrifice of his life. But we thank you, Lord, that he rose again and lives forevermore. Bless us as we go out. Please keep us until we return again on Wednesday. And Father, please use us to be messengers of this new covenant, this salvation that's available through your son. His name I pray, amen.